Today on Inside the Ropes, oh, he's back. The greatest villain in world golf makes another appearance. We chat to Brad Kennedy and Molly McLean all about the Fantastic Players Series debut. And the Visionary of the Year gets its first run on Inside the Ropes. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. G'day, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes. One of those weeks for the game of golf, episode number 193. I guess we've got some stuff we have to talk about. The least of which, Hazy, Mark Hayes, I say good day to you, is holy moly. Holy moly. We've got to have a chat about holy moly at yeah, some stage on the way through. We might get to that later on, Andy, I reckon. Yeah, I don't think yeah. that's a lead item today. But, <laughs> uh, big show. Brad Kennedy amongst those who are going to join us on the show. Stacey Peters is here looking absolutely glowing. She is. Thank you, Mari. Thanks for having me back. I haven't been in here for a while, boys. Well done to you, by the way, for the role you played uh, behind the microphone down at Rosebud over the weekend. Thank you. I found Sunday one of the one. Of, I look. I love watching golf. I watch a lot of it, but I found it Im- Im- imminently enjoyable. Oh. It was. It was just. It was a lovely day of sitting back watching something that was clearly a bit unique um, and great fun and terrific golf. Yeah, it was so exciting, wasn't it? It mm. was. Um, yeah, it was. I was trying not to show my barracking side behind the microphone. Came out. It came out a bit. <laughs> I wasn't Jeez, at she was all. barracking up at Sue Hazy. I, I don't know how much not. you watched. It was shameless. Um, it was shameless. It was, shameless, Stacey. What an exciting finish to the <laughs> golf it was. Um, oh, it was awesome. It was awesome to be a part of it. And it's going to it's going to carry on today, Andy, because uh, we've also got yeah. Molly McLean coming on. Stacey's arranged little Molly who lit it up at the end at Rosebud. Yeah, really looking forward to uh, hearing her thoughts on it. And I mean, I think you could see it out there. She was playing with Sue I mean. Yeah, she was super excited. We got our first nominee for the Visionary of the Year as well. We'll tell you a bit more about that later on. There's 11 more plaques available before we get to the uh, finalist, the winner in 2021. When you find out a bit more about that, I think you want to be part of that. Righto, um, elephant in the room. It's not the elephant. Everybody in the world of golf has been consumed again by Patrick Reed. Who wants oh, to go first? I, I feel hazy should. I feel like he's been waiting for this moment. Well, I mean, this happened on Saturday in San Diego, so Sunday morning our time. Mm. Um, is it the most egregious break of the rules in the history of golf? No. Is it even the most egregious in the catalogue that Patrick Reed is rapidly expanding? No, it's not. But I'm, I've only seen a very small minority. I could sit here. I actually contemplated how we were going to play all this, and I thought I might play – the good cop for Patrick Reed, but I, but my moral compass sort of made Why that impossible. No. Yeah, right, okay. But I will say that uh, he has been given a green light. Um, not that any other player on the tour could take it, and I'll come back and give my final thought on this in a minute, but the tour has let him off. Of course it has. So, you know, for those who didn't see it um, and haven't seen the elephant strolling through the room. Everybody listening to this show has seen it. Yeah, so he's hit a, on the 10th hole at Torrey Pines. He's hit a second shot from a bunker, 160 metres left of the green that he's aiming at, the 10th. Uh, they all think that it probably buried because um, they couldn't see where the ball actually bounced. It bounced, it went forward a couple of feet, and then you know we don't know, and that's the big issue, where it finished. Because a marshal nearby didn't see it physically land and bounce into the final resting spot, 
Patrick Reed's being given carte blanche to basically do what he wants with the ball. That's mm. what's ended up happening. Mm. And he and and he, the, the poor once the referee, once the rules official came over, go back and have a look at it. Reed just the, the poor bloke was paralysed. Reed just ran rings around him. Oh, so I can do this. I did that. Yep, yep. Like agreed with him. You could see the way he was playing the rule. The rules official came over and was clearly, I reckon. On the back foot. He a didn't, rattled. I think he was. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he could quite believe what he'd seen. Yeah. You hang on, you mean you've picked the ball up? What? And from that point, I, I reckon he lost his bearings. I, I reckon he's, the, the rules officials lost his bearings. Reed being the um, manipulator that he is, I reckon has just seen, okay, well, I'll just drive this. And he just ran rings around the bloke. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he got he got an unbelievably good drop. Um there's so many unanswered questions about the whole thing. Uh, the fact that Rory did it on the same day in similar circumstances on 18 muddies the waters a little bit. The fact that the whole PGA organisation got around him um, and and provided cover for him, CBS's coverage, Ken, Ken, they've got the rules guy now, Ken Tackett, who works for the PGA, is paid for, um, employed by the PGA Tour. Mm. If you're gonna, it's a great idea having a rules official on the coverage cannot possibly work for the PJ Tour. You have to have somebody who's completely independent in that role because, as Andy Shawfly <laughs> said after the tournament, his quote was, look, it, talking about Patrick, he said, he's protected by the Tour. That was his, that was his quote. It's the most staggeringly effective short quote in recent golf media history. Yep. They all got around him. And this is what the PJ Tour does. It's yep. but brand man. We talked about this a lot on this show. You know, yep. manages its brand as well as any sport. Well, as carefully as any sporting organisation in the world does. Uh, I'm, I, I thought Lanto Griffin, who's just finding his voice, he also said something pretty staggeringly um, pointed to Andy. Um, you know, good product off the Corn Ferry Tour, but really just yep. finding his feet here. And he said, golf's a game of sportsmanship, and it's tough to put us in the spot to call him out because we weren't there. But at the end of the day... I think 99% of golfers out here, if it's in question one way or another, they're going the other way, not taking a drop. It didn't cross that type of deal. So it's tough to see. It's sad, pardon my language, but it kind of pisses us off. Mm. But that's the way it is. Hopefully something changes and we come to a conclusion. That's big words from a young pro. Massive. That's yeah. how it obviously shows how a lot of them are feeling out there. I just don't, like, it blows my mind, like, whether, like, <laughs> That he's actually touched the golf ball without extraordinary, you know, giving or making sure anybody is there to watch. Like I would never ever do that. Like that's what I wanted to ask you as a pro in a tournament. How do you handle that situation? I mean, I would not be absolutely, and especially in that situation when you can't see the golf ball. Maybe if you're out on the fairway and just taking a basic drop from what, let's say, a sprinkler head, mm. and everybody can see, see that's yeah. visible. Yeah. Fine, get it. But in that situation, like it's like you're trying to hide something mm. that you are picking it up without any sort of hey guys, just have a look at this or like I thought that would be common courtesy. So he said it's it is literally impossible for the ball to embed after it bounces. Now he did what he did because he didn't know whether the ball bounced. We now know that it bounced. Yeah. So the ball was still embedded, according to Patrick Reed. Yeah. He says after the round, it's literally impossible for the ball to embed after it bounces. So no one has answered this question. How did it get embedded? If in fact it was, there's only one of two ways it can get embedded after it's bounced. One, someone accidentally steps on it in a gallery or two, there's some downward pressure applied to it. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
Now, the whole the fact that he goes, oh, here, come over here, it is. Stick your finger in the hole. Yeah. This is how deep the hole is, where the ball apparently embedded. Well, yeah. after it bounced, there's no way that ball embeds. That, got, that, that rules official was sticking his finger seemingly, like quite deep. Yeah. We can't see it because of the, because of the length of the grass. But you can see that it, it, there's a clear depression into which that ball was apparently embedded after yeah. it bounced. Yeah. After it bounced. Correct. Yeah. So no, we no that that it's seems bounced and hopped. Yeah. Like so it's once like, it, so it's the hop spot that he's taken. Now, now Rory's Rory said it clearly mine bounced, but it clearly bounced back into its original pitch mark. Now that's what McElroy's saying, right? Yep. McElroy has. I think he's beyond reproach. I think too. he's got fifteen years of being beyond reproach, yep. right? So so that's so that's he's out. Yep. So so we we give this Pl- the other bloke hasn't the other bloke doesn't have that. Plus plus Andy. He put it back into a shocking lie. Of course he did. Yeah. And Reed, you could see Reed. Reed gave himself an absolute and made par. Reed gave himself an absolutely. He gave himself an armchair ride once he once he had that rules official right where he wanted him. Yeah. He completely took advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, staggering. I know he's whole got the, the whole the bad reputation. Everything you know, I don't care who's like. Maybe if if you've done it, Hazy, I'm still going to be dirty at you. Of course, like it's not it's not right. I don't feel what what he's done. It's all about as as we uh, have discussed at different things, different um, rules when they're brought into question. The one of the ultimate questions you have to ask yourself is: Does it disadvantage other players in the field? And the answer is yes. Yeah. So don't do it. Mm. it. It is that simple. Adrian Logue on Twitter. I know a lot of people will follow him. Mm. He, he said one really good thing. He said, "Not that he, most of them aren't Logie, <laughs> but uh, anyway." Ask yourself this. What sort of player asks, did it bounce before even arriving at the ball? He knew. <laughs> so he's already thinking, how am I going to get out of this? Because otherwise you don't ask that question. You just Checking. go, where is my ball? Yep. Yep. You, yeah. yep. Where, that's the only question that's on your mind. Excuse me, official. Do you know where my ball is? Yeah. Not, did you see my ball bounce? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, what it's sort of question is that? a really good question, I think, yeah. Logie's mm. um, put up there. He's not doing himself any favours, is he? Well, he doesn't care though. No, he, he actually doesn't he care, doesn't. and you know he doesn't care. He's it's it's world it's team read, you know the burner account that's now been you know officially flushed out once and for all <laughs> uh, is there for the world to see. They are they're, they're very they manipulate. They are careful. They are aware. There's a you know so so there's all of that. There's a there's a we are, well, I think we know. You know who he is, and sports sports better for villains. Like you know, we but but we just don't want people who are beyond villainous. We don't want people who are cheats, and um, and I'm, you know, and and the rules official. There's probably enough cover under the strict interpretation of the rule book yep. for him to avoid the cheat label. But you know, gee whiz, Chambly. Sits here as they do a an unbelievably deep dive review on the Saturday night. He says I speak to twenty pros, former and current. None of them would have done what he did. Mm-hmm. The next mm. morning on the on the CBS coverage, there's Feldo, Finchie, and Frank. None of them would have done what he did. None of them. They all and they are as strong as they've ever been with Jim Nance. As strong as they've ever been on anything, we would never do that. Even Sacker and Jimmy Nance was yep. a bit. Oh, he pointed. was savage. Yeah, he was savage. And he wanted more out of your rules official guy. He yep. he wasn't that so, thrilled. So this is what I'm saying. You can't have this bloke if mm. he's going to be employed by the PGA. 
you cannot have somebody in that position employed by the organisation. You mm. cannot. It has to be an independent who's going to call it out because that was what the PGA Tour did. Let's get let's get a chorus of officials to tick it all off. Tick it. We'll just overwhelm them with with um, validation of Reed's behaviour according to the rule book, and that's what they did. And there'll be people people listening to this going, "We stop carrying on." What he did was according to the laws of the game, okay. But ask yourself if that, like you just said before, states if that happened. This coming Wednesday at your club, yeah, or Saturday morning at your club, Matty Griffin said it on Twitter. Everybody's, I would never touch my ball until somebody came over and had a look at it. No oh, way. yeah, that's embedded, mate. So, no here's my final thoughts on it, Andy, before we probably should move on. <clears throat> it, it's wrong, in my opinion, but the way Patrick Reed is wired, mm. he thinks it's okay now. Of course, he does. He's, okay. Of course, and he's that's fine. But you go back and have a look at the video after your round, like and you have to go, oh my God, mm-hmm. that's not how I envisaged it playing out. That's the best case scenario. Mm, yeah. No doubt he has looked at the ball in, on video replays. That's who he is too. You have to then go and say, give me another two shots. Of course. DQ me. And these guys aren't playing for money. This isn't, you know... You wouldn't do it even if you were a rookie on a really low tour. But by the time you're in the top 10 or 20 in the world and you're playing on the PGA Tour, money's not your issue. Um, Not that this should be a factor here, but you have to DQ yourself or at worst give yourself a two-shot penalty Mm -hmm. for writing down the wrong score. If he goes into the tent and goes, oh, geez, I didn't realise it had done that. Mm. I got got some bad information. Yeah, put me down for a six and I'll be right tomorrow. And it would actually really help his own uh, reputation in the world of golf. Spot on. Absolutely. Um, and I, you know, all there's probably two or three pros that I've seen who said, you know, he's done nothing wrong. For 99% of the pros in world golf to stand there and pot mercilessly mm-hmm. a bloke, a peer of theirs, men, women. The, one of the best was Marina Alex. She was just like gobsmacked. And I, it was extraordinary. He's got no qualms. He's just a a red hot liar. I'm sorry. I'm probably get listened to by Mrs. Reed and get butchered here, but he's a red hot liar. So not good. So here's the begrudging flip side of the whole thing. Cause it was still a tournament to be played. And if he slaps himself with the two shot penalty, he probably comes out and wins anyway. Right. Yeah. He's the hardest bloke in the world to barrack against because he doubles down and he, and he, and he tries harder. And he's a beautiful player. Like he is. he's a beautiful golfer. Yep. This is not easy to say because of all the stuff we've just been talking about. But he was never as, as well, the world was barracking for you know anybody. Victor, Vic, Victor most mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. But then they were never getting him. They were never going to beat him. And he ends up winning by five, which was about the most predictable outcome after Saturday and after the dust started settling on oh, Saturday I was, night. I was hoping like hell the karma bus had rolled no, in the San Diego fairway. No, uh, he's freeway. too good. He's a very good player. No, it just doesn't bother him. No. You know, he's not affected by that. You know, others might not be able to sleep straight. In fact, or... I'm gonna I'm gonna take a contrary view to that. I reckon he is affected by it and I reckon it makes him play better. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I think it makes him play better. Yeah, I'll show you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The world's <laughs> against me. Yeah. Flip the bird, the whole box and dice, and away you go. So, yep. how's, um, it, how's it going to be in the um, Ryder Cup locker room? Oh. <laughs> wow. Captain America. Yeah. What if the money that he earned on Monday, our time, 
keeps uh, Xander Shawfly out of the Ryder Cup team. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Well, just, it'll have a knock-on effect somewhere. It's I'm, a disgrace, Andy. I'm yep. like, I, I just he he is. You mentioned him villains, and I reckon I I love Virat Kohli in cricket. Mm. He's a villain extraordinaire. He's never done a bad thing out there. He's played it hard. He's rankled people. He's mm. done all sorts of things. Never once bent a rule. There's ways to be the villain. Mm. No, I agree with all that. Um, the play series. So we're going to get a couple of the competitors um, at different ends of their golfing spectrum. Join us on the other side of the break, and I'm looking forward to catching up with um, both Brad Kennedy and Molly McLean. But give me, you were down there. You go first, Stacey. You've you, you were. There. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, it was awesome. I was out there firstly on on Wednesday on Pro Am Day, and even even on Wednesday there was just such a great vibe around. There mm. was a, the course looked awesome. The players were up and about. Juniors were out there practicing. The my golf groups were out there, and then you get um, yeah, you got men, women, pros, ams. Every you know, oh, it was awesome. It was so exciting to be just a part of it. I I, I, I was flicking between. AFLW and player series on Sunday, it, it was, I ended up, I found it hard to turn this off. It was, mm-hmm. um, it was thrilling stuff and off a relatively limited budget, I imagine, from a coverage perspective, big tick. I thought they did a fan, they covered, they covered as much as, in fact, more than I thought they might have been able to cover given yeah. whatever financial limitations there would have been because golf's not an inexpensive game to cover from a television perspective. So I thought they did a really good job with that. Yeah, like with limited cameras down there and stuff, I thought they sort of got around quite a lot. The commentary team was exceptional, Andy. Yeah, far too they, good for my liking. I think that's where they struggled. But... <laughs> Hudson was the weak link. But, 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 well, you know, he's got good hair, so I'll leave it at So here's the leaderboard at the end of it. I'll just go down to the top. I'll go down to the top nine. B. Kennedy, E. Smiley, S. O. N. Barbieri, B. McPherson, M. Miller, T. Pilkadaris, M. Fraser, S. Strange, R. McCarthy, B. Eccles, D. McKenzie, A. Pike. But for maybe one or two more females, and we understand the numbers were skewed against women being at the point because there's so many more men in the field. But but for another woman or two being in that number there, that is a magnificent Mm cross-section of where Australian golf is at the moment and what Australian golf's got to offer. Oh, oh it's a fantastic list of names, I reckon. And and right down, coming down the stretch, like the exact, you know, not cliche, but back nine on Sunday, we had, it could have been a male oh, winner, it could yep. have been a female winner, it could have been an amateur winner. Hmm. You had the juniors fighting yep. it out. I mean, you couldn't, you would have thought, uh, do you think the PGA, WPGA, Golf Australia couldn't have scripted it better? Mm. It was magnificent. <laughs> so O has four birdies in five holes in the middle of her back nine <laughs> to get herself right in the mix. Yep. And it was exactly what this tournament needed. Yeah. Oh, God, Suo might win this. Yeah. Yep. Suo might win this. And, you know, all due, all credit to, you know, Brad Kennedy and thoroughly deserved it. But if it wasn't to be Brad Kennedy, I'm happy to say I would have loved it to have been Suo. It yeah. just would have given the whole thing a oh, hello. Mm. And then, I mean, someone, a young amateur, one of the yeah. Queensland QAS yep. members, yep. to shoot 63 63 on the weekend and yep. to, to come up one short. Yep. Like That's that, the one for me. Oh. Elvis Smiley, 63 63. He's a beautiful player. And I really take great stock, and we'll ask Brad Kennedy about this in a little while. He was wrapped to knock in that winning putt, but five minutes before, when Elvis Smiley had he putt for his 63 on the Sunday, he was he did a 
beautiful routine, despite carrying Mike Clayton on his bag for, for, for 72 <laughs> Imagine holes. Imagine what he could have done. Oh, yeah, he's been scary. unbelievable. Yeah, good point. Um, but his routine in a crunch situation was awesome, dead center, and he was pumped. He was pumped. I just thought I've, I've got a lot of time for him. Yeah. And also a name you didn't mention there, Andy, who did exceptionally well. Well, you did mention Nathan Barbieri, yeah. who was unbelievable, especially on day one in the wind, and just ripped three shots off the Rosebud course record, which was extraordinary. But um, Kirsten Rudgley, yeah, who we've mentioned, um, yeah. you know, last week, yeah, yeah we're yeah. just constantly yeah. mentioning her right now. Her ability as a uh, a young woman from WA to come across here as an amateur with, you know, never she's played a lot of golf with men in the last COVID times. So I get that, but. To jump in with the PGA crew and go Wooshka and was right in the mix. Absolutely. Uh, for a long time. Um, gee, what a what a precocious talent she is. Finished yeah, with four birdies. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot more of her. I think. Uh, no, it was great. It was just a so in terms of the scaling of the course, you know, the the tee distance of the, the women's tees and second. Did you get a sense for how that all played out? Yeah, and I, I think they've done a great job. I mean, if you've, you know, we do look at the leaderboard and, you know, we've got some females up there. And obviously, I think it is one of the toughest jobs to set up a golf oh, course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, like, it's nearly a lose-lose situation because you've got long hitters, you've got short hitters, both in male and female side of things. So it's like, how to judge it, I, I don't know. But we've had, you know, some females up there um, in the mix and stuff. So I think that's that's the only way we can judge it. And mm. I think they've, you know... I think the PGA setting up the golf course did a great job. It felt good. It, yeah. Visually, it felt like they were hitting proper. There was no massive advantage for shots into greens for one gender or the other. It felt it felt bang on watching it from home. It I felt think great. The, the, dif- the difference between a seven and a nine iron is negligible. Yep. And I don't think we saw too many four irons for girls and wedges for boys. No, it's, no. no. I think they got that right. And then that was more than where we were positioned off the tee. I was more interested in... Sticks in. Yeah, shots into the yeah. green. Were the girls going to be, you know, did that, were they going to get that right? Yeah. And and there didn't appear to be any, you know, real sort of obvious kind of error in terms of the assumption of how that was going to play out. It looked great. Yeah, and I haven't, I'll be totally honest, I haven't heard any of that sort of, like any criticism on mm. that side of things, which is fantastic. I only just thought of it then when you mentioned it. I'm like, actually, I haven't heard anything about great. that. So great. I'd say that's a win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my, just huge Kudos to Nick Dasty, who's yeah. going to be a co-host with us soon, when he's uh, when his calendar opens up a little bit, and and um, also Kim Felton, mm-hmm. who we've also had on the program, and all at the WPGA, who you know bent over to make it happen, and just kudos. The PGA has introduced Super Sixes to the world. They've intru- helped with uh, you know obviously help from business people around Australia, Blitz Golf. Um, and now this, yeah. um, this is world leading again. Andy. And the Vic again. Open. Yeah, and the Vic Open. Yep. That was a, a different group yep, of people. Different but, group of people, yeah. But yep. still, you know, they should be absolutely um, lauded by all. You yeah. know, they're, they're building things that immediately garner interest globally. And we should never lose sight of that. These are groundbreaking activities. And that, that, that was fantastic by any measure. But first up, just wow. Mm. And it's encouraging. Australian golf needs it. 
Yeah, it needs it because we can't just rely on a, a, a typical tour anymore. You know, we have to do things differently and we're doing it. We're coming up with some fantastic concepts. So um, let's talk to Brad Kennedy and Molly McLean. There's a heap of other stuff we'll get to a bit later on in the show. Well, let's get to a couple of the people who are in the middle of it all uh, at Rosebud Golf and Country Club over the weekend. They'll join us next. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Well, we've just been talking about the player series and the concept and you know, all of the elements of it that we loved as you know spectators and commentators and players and all the rest of it. Well, let's have a chat about to a couple of the people who are front and centre um, during the four days down at Rosebud. And we're better to start them with the eventual winner, Brad Kennedy, who was in the middle of it all as... Um, it built into the sort of crescendo that we were hoping it would build into. Suo surges. We get a prominent female in the middle of it all. It was playing out exactly the way the architects of the player series would have liked it to be. Brad Kennedy, um, congratulations, mate. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. And take us out there. Did it feel like a, a different golf tournament to you? Uh, thanks, Andy. First of all, thanks for having me. It, it was I – guess, I guess it, it – in the sense of being involved in it, it didn't feel too much different because I was still still playing against um, obviously 144 other professionals out there. But there was the the element of having the the kids there, the juniors on the weekend, definitely gave it a, a different element over the weekend. But the first few days uh, playing with Becky Kay and uh, yeah, we had a great time. But in, generally, in, in the competitive spirit of it, it was still just a battle battle out there between between myself really you had it all mate you had the wind you had the the driving rain you had the beautiful sun and then you had an albatross <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did we had we had the perfect melbourne summer didn't we four seasons in a week but also we had nearly four different wind directions in that time as well which made the the course play play tricky at times but yeah to to have an albatross and i guess it was I did have a lot of luck during the week, two eagles and an albatross. It's not uh, every every week you have those, but it was yeah, just a real real great way to start 2021 after the sort of the layoff we've had. Andy, I'm not sure what you saw about that, but do you know that Brad played holes 15 and 16, the mid back nine, par fives nine under. Yeah, I, so I thought I, I knew it was going to be some ridiculous number. Yeah, I mean you made a, you made a mess of them, really, didn't you? I mean, in terms of what the what the what the average player is supposed to do to them, they became. It must have been nice for you knowing that you know you, you had those holes sort of under control, and you had them coming as a few other players, Elvis and Sue and. You know, Fraze and a couple of others sort of started sticking their nose in the frame. It must have been nice for you, Brad, to know that they were they were just around the corner on that back nine for you. Well, they were definitely opportunities. I wouldn't say I was uh, I was ready for them because I was still trying to figure out things within my own game to to get ready for that finish. But I knew there were opportunities, and I need needed to regroup on the back nine just to give myself my opportunities on those holes, let alone worry about what all the other players were doing. I knew there were going to be 30 opportunities coming in and uh, I actually hadn't played, apart from the Albatross on 14, I'd only parred that hole every... Oh, sorry, I birdied on Friday, but that was a tricky one for me because of the 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 dog leg itself. Sort of, I didn't want to hit it through the fairway and I wasn't 
game enough to sort of hit it too far right over the right trap. So that was that was a tricky tee shot for me. And with 16 being a blind second shot, you're always the, the unknown as well. So it's the two really good par fives back to back. And as as we saw, anything can ha- can happen, but you still have to take take those opportunities when you get them. And Brad, you spoke of uh, battling injury or you know some hip issues early on in your round. And you obviously had to really grind out your round, and obviously keeping in mind that those holes are coming. But to be able to, I guess, do it under pressure and hit those sort of shots when you when you are grinding, battling, and a tournament on the line, and to hit that shot that you did on the last, mm. I guess that probably that must mean a lot, yeah. It does. It definitely does. It, it all the. All the work that I've sort of been able to do with with Dave Orrid in in the performance practice, and that's what I live for really now. It's having to hit those shots in those moments, and it really just goes to show that the the preparation and the practice that I do gives me the, I guess, gives me the belief that I can hit that shot under pressure. Whereas sort of early in my career, the practice that I was doing probably wasn't giving me that opportunity. So. At least uh, I know that the practice that I'm doing is is uh, matching what's going to happen in a golf tournament and something that I'm going to really uh, take take on for the rest of my career is mm. is how I practice is really really important. So Brad, we'll talk to you a bit in a second about the WGC events that you've qualified into and played once here. Um, those money events, those big money events that you get, you have qualified into, they make the prizes on offer at things like the player series almost they dwarf that that amount clearly but when you hit that great shot into the last and then you make that little putt and as Stace says you know you look like you really will savoured the moment is it got to the point where you savoured the moments more than the cash yeah to to me it's just for I guess the the situation in my career now is I'm really just trying to see how far I can push my own limits and, and that's what I'm still practicing for and, and striving for how how far can I push myself and how how much pressure can I put myself under to understand how to deal with those situations and uh, yeah just the, the the money really in terms of going there and playing isn't isn't a factor in a sense that I want to put myself up against the best players playing on the same courses and just see what I'm capable of under those conditions, which is going to just extend my knowledge and give me a better platform to understanding myself, but also in the chance of one day maybe helping others how to experience pressure and and how to deal with hitting those shots under those sort of conditions. So, we spoke to you last time, I think after your, your victory in New Zealand, and you talked then about, you know, the prospect, the possibility maybe that, you know, you're going to hang it up soon and, and walk away and and lead a different life than a touring professional. You're arguably in the best streak of tournament form in your career here. Phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal what you've it's been phenomenal. doing, most notably in Japan, I think, Andy. Yeah. Um, but... Have you have you rethought all that, Brad? Are you are you, are you finding immense joy in it that's going to take you past that thought that you might hang it up? 
Uh, I'm definitely looking into different parts of my career. I've even taken up surf skiing at the moment, which is another <laughs> exciting platform and something to, to jump into. Just uh, love jumping into new things and, and testing myself now. It, you know, I was thinking about it last year, but due to not being able to play an event in Japan last year and, and missing out the summer here, it's still giving me the fire to, to continue and, and winning the order merit, hopefully at the end of March, possibly giving me some, some more exemptions into some, some majors. I feel feel that there's, there's a little bit more for me to try and achieve within myself and just, again, just put myself in in that position to see what I what I can do under those situations. And so missing out last year, probably feel like there's maybe two more years to really try and push those boundaries and, and push those, those limits. And um, yeah, then after that, um, I really haven't given it much thought. And I know, Brad, you've been... Uh... You've been able to do a bit of work with some of the Golf Australia, the high performance squads, and some of maybe the players in a mentoring role, or maybe with your your putting stuff. Um, is that something you've yep. enjoyed, or you sort of want to tell us about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, well, it's been it's uh, been great to, to start working with the high performance kids and just see see the immense talent that we do have in Australia. And I, I think the the biggest thing from them now trying to go to the next level, they they definitely do have the talent to to go further. Definitely got more talent than me, that's for sure. But how to how to start to learn about pressure and and being put in certain situations of even travelling and understanding how to I guess fend for yourself when you're out in in the pro world. No one really bothers to know who you are anymore. You're just out there with you're just another number to most of the professionals. So. It's yeah, a lot of. I think the mentoring stuff is something now that I've really uh, enjoyed and, and trying to share my knowledge with with players coming through and yeah, with with Project One Putt stuff that I've done now and, and uh, starting to get quite a few professionals around the world, but also just people that really want to start to to dive into those aspects of performance where where you can control and I think putting is one of those areas that you can control because it doesn't doesn't discriminate you can become a great putter doesn't matter what your handicap is and but I think a lot of the putting um, circumstances that people think they're bad putters is just there could be a pressure element to that so with project one putt and the and the drills and the inserts it's more about understanding how to deal with pressure and create good routines than it is all about what they believe now, this is that's the per- so true. It is very true. Yeah, it's the perfect segue. It's like we almost set this up, Brad. It's unbelievable. You you were talking to us about Project One Part last time you came on, um, and I believe you had in your, I guess I don't think it was your first, but it was a first in a long time experience at a World Golf Championship event in Mexico last year. You had that uh, Project One Part sort of appeal to someone. Oh, he, he goes okay, I think Ram or someone. His name yeah, is like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah John Ram. It was through. I spent some time. It was actually the the Zozo Championship in October. That was a Japanese okay. tournament, but they and the US co-sanction. They moved it over to the US due to all the issues in Japan. And uh, was through through his coach Dave Phillips from the TPI Center in in San Diego. He 
I went down there, spent some time at the Scotty Cameron factory and, and met Dave down there and I showed him him a putting aid and he straight away thought of John because John's always had a uh, one of his sort of letdowns, I guess, has been speed control but also understanding entry point and the Tuesday of Zozo, we spent an hour on the putting green and and he just loved it straight away. I was was showing him exactly what he needed, and he actually took he he took my set from me, and I had to get one when I got home. So <laughs> it was nice to uh, nice that from from all all walks of life, all all uh, from the number two in the world down to ten year old kids and and ladies, that people are actually gaining so much more knowledge about their putting by using it. So it's it's pretty it's a very satisfying feeling that uh, something I've created can can help people uh, achieve achieve their their dreams and and uh, especially with with putting but that also with with that it also goes a long way to to other parts of their game learning about their performance through through that as well so it's just a, a real step in there in the right I, direction I hope that Rami boy sort of sent you a few pesos or right. euros or something to fix you up <laughs> after the fact no, well, it's, I'll see him hopefully at the WGC in the end of the end of next month. So I'm sure we'll uh, do another session there. And but it's just it's great to to work with those guys, but also the the kids have had a lot of feedback from some of the kids that I've been working with, and just to share my knowledge a little bit and give back to back to the game. I feel has uh, been pretty special. So he, he finishes second in that tournament, beaten by a shot. Pat Cantlow wins it. Imagine if he had won that from a marketing perspective, Brad. It would have been unbelievable if he wins it and stands up there on the victory day and gives you all the credit for the victory. It would have been quite something. And just as a kind of stepping off point there and going back to something you said earlier on in the chat about you kind of testing yourself um, and seeing how far you can take it, you, you finished midfield in that tournament. And I know you've been all over the place and you played against you know world-class players your whole life, but when you in this rich vein of form you're in at the moment, have a look at that tournament in particular, shoot 72 in the last round, finish midfield, and you beat a whole lot of absolute top-shelf world-class players in that field. Do you? Does that give you a, a fresh perspective on, after all these years and everything you've done, does it give you a fresh perspective on where you might see yourself in the world of professional golf? Yeah, it does, Andy. I think for me, it just uh, reaffirmed the path that I've been trying to get on, and it's it's trying to yeah, push those boundaries of what I've cap- what I'm capable of doing, but also in that environment. And yeah. going to the US was my first US event, so it was a whole new experience. Unfortunately, the crowds weren't there, but to to be able to play on the same golf course as the top hundred in the in the world and and mix it with them at I sort of took away a lot of a lot of positives of that I was definitely on the right track and and things that I needed to to improve on. But in terms of the gap that I thought I was, uh, it actually wasn't that far away. So mm. that was that was the most positive part about sort of uh, playing that style of event. Mate, we can hear the wind in the background. It's just, it suggests to us that you're probably still outside working on um, some part of your game. So we'll let we'll let you get back to it. Um, we were we're all boots and all in on the play series. We can't wait to see what happens up at Bonnie Doon and 
uh, congratulations to you and what you're able to achieve at Rosebud um, in a landmark event, mate. Thanks for coming on the show and having a chat about it, and good luck with um, you know all the exciting stuff just around the corner for Cheers, you. Guys. Appreciate it. Good on you. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, it was a great series, and uh, I think it's great to great concept to have ladies and and the men and juniors all on all on the one dice. And it was great to see some of the some of the juniors over the the weekend get it get some real experience about. Uh, being in front of cameras and having crowds just to, to be doing that at 15, 16 is going to go a long way to their into their careers. No doubt about that. Uh, thanks for joining us. Brad Kennedy joining us on Inside the Ropes. Now, Stace, it wasn't all about the pros down at Rosebud. There was the junior element of the Players Series that we've mentioned earlier. And I know you've drummed up here a very special guest for us to talk to on the back of Brad Kennedy. Yes, thanks, Hazy. We've been lucky enough to get Molly McLean join us online. She's jumped out of class at the moment. Um, thanks for coming on the show, Molly. You're welcome. So Molly, uh, Molly actually finished second, Hazy, in the junior section of the event on the weekend with a fantastic finish to her <laughs> round. Um, you couldn't have a dream, more of a dream finish, could you, Molly? Maybe, um, maybe take us through that. Yeah, so... I did, in fact, ready the last four holes of the tournament. <laughs> and and before that, I had made a few little silly three-putts here and there. And I was back to two over after being one under through nine. And I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to try and ready the last four holes so that I can help my score out. And I did. Yeah. Molly, as, uh, as Stace says, we've ripped you out of Dramana Secondary College here. You're in year nine. I can't, believe it. I can't believe that someone in year nine, age 14, is capable of doing what you did under the gun of national television coverage because it's all well and good to say you missed a couple of putts and you're a bit frustrated. But when the TV lights come on and you can go bang, 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 bang to close a tournament, that's the stuff of legends, mate. You're 14. <laughs> yeah, thank you. What, how do you do that like at 14? What, do you, what, what clicks for you to be able to play that way? It seemed like as the crowd grew around you at Rosebud that you sort of grew into the tournament. Have you played yeah, well, in I, front of that many people before, Molly? <laughs> I actually haven't, no. <laughs> it looked like but you yeah, had. <laughs> but, yeah, on 15, I noticed that a few more people kept coming because by 16, Sue was tied leader. So a few more people kept coming, and I, I noticed that a little bit. But um, I just kept my head down, focusing on my golf, and I managed to pull it off. Yeah, amazing finish. And that uh, that shot you hit into the last, oh. Molly, that was that was unbelievable. I was lucky enough to be uh, doing a little bit of the commentary, and I didn't even have to be pretend to be excited on that one, Molly. That was <laughs> unbelievable. Um, you were you're probably showing up your playing partners a little bit, Molly. I feel... You're out there trying to learn all you can off your playing partners, both uh, Suo and Matt Miller. Um, and I did hear earlier in the week that one of your one of your heroes is Suo, and to be paired with her, how was uh, how was that experience? Yeah, well, that was honestly amazing because I'd always watch her on TV, and I I didn't really have I didn't really know what people like pros would be like if they talk very much on TV or anything like that, but they. She was just so nice and she was just up for a chat and she talked to me about golf and she was just amazing to play with. And, yeah, I was so excited. 
is there anything specific you took away from her, Molly? Um, you know, any key questions you asked that, or you just, was there any gold you got from Sue? Definitely how to calm nerves down was a big thing for me because when I did the opening scene and the nearest to pin competition, I was a little bit nervous there, but she kind of talked me through it a little bit. Great. And, yeah. So what's that, just walk us through that. You, you, get, you get to meet and play with Jeff Ogilvie. You, you know, you obviously had um, Mark Leishman on the line. Uh, Hannah Green was on the line. I mean, you've met some of the who's who of Australian golf this week, haven't you? Yeah, I have. It was so exciting because mum and dad kept it a secret for me, so I had no clue. And I was just so excited when I saw Hannah and Mark on the screen and Jeff and Sue standing in front of me. Like, it was so surreal. So you had no idea that was happening? I had no clue. I didn't know what was going on. That is, what a week. That was awesome. Unbelievable week. <laughs> I, honestly, you know, Stace mentioned it, Molly, but that shot into the last, is that what you thought golf might be? as someone who aspires to be a good golfer, is that is that your image of golf, hitting a cracking shot into a big crowd on the 18th? Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and how did, it, I, how did I, it feel to actually be able to execute it under that pressure? Yeah, well, I was very nervous because there was a lot of people watching and a lot of people in the stand behind. But I just was focused and it was a, it was my like my favourite club, a little 9-9 to 110 metres. And slightly into the wind, and I, I, I love hitting shots like that, and it was just perfect in my eyes. Yeah, it was perfect in my <laughs> eyes too. Um, Molly, you just mentioned about, um, you know, obviously the excitement of the week, how, you know, how big an event it was for you, what an experience and everything. I did hear, Molly, uh, you know, maybe only a couple of weeks ago, you were trying to decide what to do. You, you had the National Club Championships on the same weekend, as this event, and you were trying to work a way to um, tee off early in the morning for your Nash Club Championships and get to the TPS in the afternoon. <laughs> is is this correct, Molly? And if it is, do you um, do you regret anything about not playing the clubbies? Yeah, that is definitely true. <laughs> um, at first, I was a little bit disappointed that I couldn't play in the clubbies, but then I realised that there was you can play clubbies any year. This is like a huge tournament and I definitely do not regret playing in it. Like meeting Sue, Jeff, a few other great stars, like that is just an amazing experience that you can't get back. Molly, next year I think you should lean on the national and make sure the dates don't clash because you've got the clout now. You are, you, as, a, yeah. as a TV star, you have got the clout to be able to move the National Club Championships. Yeah. They actually moved the dates to the tournament, so I was a little bit disappointed, but that's okay. It's been one of those years, I reckon, Molly. I think that'll get sorted out next year. So maybe that's uh, something yeah. that everyone can look to avoid the clashes with these these newly, I guess, fledgling tournaments. They're sort of jammed into the calendar, but um, I'm sure they'll be uh, accommodated a little bit better in coming years. We better go. We better push on. Andy, how good a story to, to hear Molly like that. I mean, four birdies to finish, a two-under round in her final to finish second behind Jack Holland. Um, I know you've been sitting here listening to Stace and I rab it on, but it's incredible, isn't it? I, I fell off my chair when you said she was 14 and year nine. <laughs> That's when I fell off the chair. Yeah. It was pretty impressive, wasn't it? It's phenomenal. I sat, we, I sat back there, Molly, on um, uh, Sunday and watched the whole thing, and I mean, I've listened to the chat you've had with these two. You didn't play like a fort. I mean, there was a maturity and a and a um, 
and a confidence about you that belies your age. And um, you should be unbelievably proud of everything you've that you've done. And the rest of us can't wait to sit back and see what comes next. So, uh, if I can, just join in the chorus. Well played. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, that's it. That's. Um Molly McLean, thanks, Stace, for organising it. We'd better, awesome. we better let you get back into class. Sorry, it's a bit disorganised at our end here, Molly, but um, we really appreciate you doing it. I'm sure that it won't be the last time you appear on Inside the Ropes. Thanks again for jumping out of class. Thanks, yeah, Molly. Thanks, thanks to teachers. Thanks, thanks to teachers Molly. for us. Thanks, Stace. <laughs> <laughs> see, see you, Molly. Unbelievable, Andy. We jumped into the Dramana Secondary College to, to make a, a 14-year-old um, I guess just just to try and hear her words. Hear her voice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think the point you made, uh, and apologies for crashing in halfway through that, um, but the point you made about her seeming seemingly finding something the more people gather. Now there was a lot, there would have been a lot of familiar faces in the crowd. Yeah. For her, obviously. Um, that would and she played with a smile on her face. Like that was the <laughs> thing. She she didn't look around and get nervous or. Um, or apprehensive, she she relished. Yeah, absolutely. It was so impressive, wasn't it? Like, I think, if, I mean, I'm sure she hasn't played in front of two people in her life before, let alone playing with the professionals, mm. with all those locals there. Like, oh, it was massive. What a, And I think that just shows as well what the event is about. Like, the experience those kids got that weekend, I mean... Unbelievable! Hats off to everybody involved, and not just not just Molly. I mean, all the you know, Jack Holland was the winner, but there's a whole heap of other fantastic scores. Um, you have to go down. I'm just looking at the leaderboard here now. You have to go down six, 15 players until you get to double figures over par in two rounds. That's amazing for junior yeah. golf, Andy, under pressure of TV and and playing with you know legitimate pros. Um, I'm blown away. The thing that my, I admire most about professional golf is their ability to crunch things under pressure. Spot on. So my fear for junior golfers and amateur golfers is they'll get into a situation, you know, like I do as a chopper, and just tighten up a bit. Mm. I think it's a very special talent to be able to loosen up and go with the flow. So to you, Stace, about this, like when GA, you know, identifies talent, um, you know, it's often on score-related. You know, they're a 12-year-old kid and they're playing – off, you know, two and they've got a swing and you go, okay, great, we, we can do something with that player. Yeah. That's part of it. When you see a young player who ticks the numbers boxes, but then you see them do it under pressure um, and in a live environment like that, from a talent identification perspective, you go, oh, geez, I reckon we've got one here. Yeah, definitely. And like Hazy said, like quite a few on that leaderboard, you know, were mm. able to do that. Under the pressure, under, and I think as well, you really, when talking talent ID uh, side of things, Andy, I think you really want to see the love for the game as well at that young age. Yeah. And that's definitely oh, what. she's got it in space. So much. I mean, the example of wanting to play clubbies or. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but not, she wasn't going to choose either. She wanted to do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was trying to make it work. <laughs> yep. so, you know, I think that's, that's a part of it too. <laughs> so just in the top 15 players, Angus O'Brien, uh, Michael Song, Molly, of course, and the winner, Jack Holland, all shot under par on the Sunday at Rosebud. They're playing in the, group, so in the final groups. In the final groups alongside the Ogilvies mm. and O's of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, seriously, it's, it's next level. It's yeah. awesome. It's a great sign. Yep. Anyway, we will take a break and we'll come back with more. And I'll give the, I promise everyone I'll give Andy the reins back after the break. <laughs> Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Vision 2025 is something that regular listeners to the podcast will know about in name. Maybe not know all the details, but hopefully most listeners to the show will know in essence what Vision 
2025 is kind of broadly about. And it's starting to now gather some kind of on-the-ground sort of momentum, Hazy. There's elements to it that we can actually start to see and be recognised in in some of the things that Golf Australia is doing. Yeah, Saren Bertino and Shiloh Curtis and Stacey and, and others in the team. Superstars. Um, they're, they're really breaking ground. Mm. Um, so it, it's a matter of gaining momentum. And one of the things that we decided as an organisation to kickstart this year um, was this a program called Visionary of the Year. Yep. And it was a chance for clubs, individuals, not necessarily players, it could be... Um, officials, uh, any coaches, any any level of the game where women and girls are involved to highlight some changes to the game that are being made for the good and to really put a spotlight on them and, and you know show the world that golf can change, yep. basically. Yep. That, that's the principle of the visionary product. So at, um, as an award, um, we just announced the very first one, Andy. Um, I'm just going to flick my computer screen here. I'm very disorganized. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but... The uh, Goulburn Murray Golf, Golf Association is, has been the first winner. They've won a $500 drum and golf voucher, and they're now in the running to win up to $10,000 worth of products from the Callaway Reva product range, um, which is designed specifically for women. So yep. Yep. Um, it's going to be voted upon later in the year, but the first winner is the man you're about to introduce. It's David Roberts from that organisation that you talk about, and he joins on the show. David, congratulations. Thanks for joining us on the show. And thank, thank you very much. I don't think I can acclaim the award. The district has to acclaim the award. But, um, yeah, I thought when I was first told it might have been a trip to the British Open, but we'll happily accept the $500 um, voucher. And I don't, I don't think I want to go to Britain at the moment. So that's no, that's, no, that's a good point. point. Yeah, you take the voucher. Yeah. David, yeah, take we, the should, voucher. <laughs> we, we should introduce you properly in, in terms of your title. You're the president of the Goulburn Murray Golf Association. Um, tell us what Goldman, the GMGA, we'll call it. Tell us what the GMGA yep. did to uh, consider itself worthy of an entry into the Visionary of the Year Awards. Uh, we were stuck like everybody else and throughout the district during that 2020 COVID period and restrictions on travel and big groups and all that sort of thing. So most of our district events for the year were cancelled. We just try to get organised and we spent more time cancelling than organising events hmm. and towards the end of the year, October, November, we usually had a midweek women's pennant on and that was impossible to do with the restrictions and we came up with this idea, let's just try play at home virtual pennant and see how that went. Now, our original thought was to try and get the women to play at a four-ball event, do hole-by-hole scores, and then we'd match it up and like do match play hole-by-hole, hole. but that got a little bit too cumbersome and more chances of problems. So we just went for a four-ball, play Stableford, get your four-ball Stableford score, send it in, give us your team list, we matched them up and uh, worked out the results that way. Uh, it's fantastic, David. What a great uh, initiative. And it's like, it, I don't know, do you see this as something that we could keep utilising in the future? Do you think this is something that it's never well, just going to be a COVID thing? My thoughts right now is yes, because we had double the amount of women play in this virtual pennant. We had about 250 women play, where the year before in the normal head-to-head match play, um, we had about 110. So it was a huge increase. 
Um, we also found, I think, a lot more of the higher handicap women played because there was a less intimidation. You know, they played at home. They didn't have to go somewhere else. They didn't have to work out some of the little details of match play. And, uh, yeah, we're pretty happy to do it. So, yeah, we're going to have to stay flexible and we're going to have to think more about it. And, in fact, we've continued on and there's um, seven women's teams now playing in our um, January, February, Sunday pennant and they're doing that virtual uh, process while the men are playing the normal head-to-head host club match play. Fantastic. How good is that, Andy? So Fantastic. It was done across the, the association stretches across the New South Wales Victorian border, mm-hmm. um, and there were clubs that were yeah. um, starting to starting to have um, problems fielding pennant teams, period. And now they've got some of those smaller yeah. clubs even have got two teams entering to the virtual pennant. Yeah, so. it, it, exactly. Yep, yeah, yeah. So we had all those little border issues and bubbles and all those sorts of things that we had to deal with at the same time. Yeah, so David, play, at, play at home became a, a bit of an answer, and it turned fa- out to be a winner. It's fantastic. So, so broadly speaking, the number, the growth in numbers participating is incredibly encouraging. I, just for anecdotally, unless you've got actual numbers, what about young female players? Are you seeing um, young females through whatever form that you're encouraging them to participate in? Are you seeing younger players coming to the game in your region? Yeah, we have. Um, not in huge numbers, but no. we've had a, cu- a couple of couple of schoolgirls played in this because we also um, allowed them, rather than have to play all midweek, they could have played um, on Saturdays or Sundays, most of them Sundays, allowed a bit of play around club comps. Um, we've supported a couple of girls uh, to go to the uh, camps that are conducted. Um, Megan Carr's run a few here. Um, in Victoria, and also when she couldn't do the camps, she's been able to do videos. So a couple of our girls have um, participated in that, and we took a few to um, to Ballarat to play in the junior teams event in early December. Yeah, great. I, th- I think, Stace, you yeah. might be able to just, just give us some sort of insight here. Um, Dylan Grandall has been phenomenal in, in trying to... Um, coordinate some of the logistics to make these things happen. The key thing I would imagine from your position as pathway manager at GA for, for women is for the clubs to reach out and actually engage, say, we need some help. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even if they hear these sort of ideas or, you know, and more want to get involved, yeah, absolutely reach out and um, hopefully we can offer that sort of assistance. Mm-hmm. Good on you, David. It's um, it's recognition, yep. and okay. I I hope people listening to the first of you know these prizes being awarded to you is motivation for them. I imagine there's going to be one a month. Is that hazy? Is that how it's going to work? So there's eleven more to go in 2021. Hopefully, this is a springboard for you know organisations and clubs all over Australia to go. You know what? I want a piece of this. What can we do? That's a bit unique, like what you guys have done in your area to become part of this and get a little bit of recognition and hopefully jump on board and be, become yeah. part of the you know, big yeah. prize hunting. It's really good. It, look, our, our captain said to me, isn't it good to be recognised for just having a go? And I, th- yeah. I think that sums it up. I've, I've now got to try and think of 11 more nominations for each month <laughs> to try and get us in there. <laughs> Andy, when I was talking, when I was talking to David um, to, to tee up this interview, he had a really good line because there were a couple of people who were sort of a little bit sceptical, David, I think that's fair to say about how it would pan out yeah. and, and the effort yeah. you had to put into it. Yeah. What was your line? I think this you'll love this, Andy. 
I think my, my line was um, yeah, golf has to change because think back, there was only, what, 40 or 50 years ago we were playing with wooden clubs. And yep. Yep. Uh, if, th- if those changed, a few other things can change also. No, I think Vision 2025, the formation of it, establishment of it and reason for it recognises that. And you're living proof, David, you and your colleagues in that nick of the woods are living proof that it can change and it can adapt. And, you know, through the necessity of a year like 2020, who knows, you might you might stumble on some stuff that becomes part of your golfing life going forward. Hey, just before I let you, I can only imagine the golf courses up in your neck of the woods must be in pretty good nick at the moment. How, how are they tracking? Yeah, they're tracking very well. It's been the summer hasn't been so scorching hot here, mm. and um, I think we had like everywhere in Victoria, we had a fair amount of rain last Friday, and you could, you could hear you could hear the grass laughing and pretty happy on Saturday. <laughs> so um, yeah, think th- things are good up um, up in our neck of the woods at the moment. Yep. All the best. Congratulations to everybody involved, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Okay, thank you very much. Good on you, David Roberts, president of the Golden Murray Golf Association. Association. And I think the gist that I want people to take away here, Andy, is the funkier the better. Yeah. For the ideas here, try it on. There's never been a better time to try it on. Encourage people to go to the Vision 2025 section of the Golf Australia website, Mm. get around the competition itself. But if you've ever had an idea, you know, just an inkling of something that can change. Uh, the way golf's played generally, but specifically in this instance around women and girls in golf. Stace, this is the best time to do it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Hazy. But And also, we want people doing the nominations as well. We want the clubs getting recognised, the yeah. districts getting recognised, you know, so it's not just about that part of it. We need people to nominate as well. So mm. Pretty yeah. nice to be called the Visionary of the Year. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, at the end of 2021. Imagine that little plaque on your desk, Andy. Go, all right. Yeah. Stick that in the um, arrival foyer of your golf club. Yeah. Welcome to the visionary, visionary of the year 2021. Well, I think what that does is it encourages Very the next nice. generation of, of girls to come through. Okay. I think that's purely and simply. Here, here. A few other bits and pieces we've got to work our way through here on Inside the Ropes. We'll do that after this. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we got so lost in the Patrick Reed discussion at the start. We didn't mention about how the Australians went oh, yeah. uh, at Torrey Pines. <laughs> Adam Scott slumped to three over early and got a couple of late birdies to be the best top ten finish he's got. I think he's going to have a good year, Scotty. No doubt. And he said before it's, the tournament that he was underdone here. Yep. So have a good year. Um, I think he'll be fine. The only disappointment for him was that he was 11 under with five holes to play on mm. Saturday. Mm, that's right. And he's yep. finished, you know, four back from that. So that'll disappoint him, no doubt. But um, big picture, top ten there is pretty good. I want to mention Mark Leishman. Yeah, defending champ. Yeah, um, Played all four rounds at par or better. So mm. consistent. Um, mm. consistent, and when he's a building back again, but B probably in the back of his mind, preparing for the U S open there later in the year four subpar rounds or par or better rounds, uh, at the U S open when that rough gets grown up a little bit, it'll probably be pretty fair. I yeah. Reckon. Yeah. Jason day four over missed the cut. No. We're just going to keep an eye on him and Tony Finau just not, I know he's not Australian, but finished tied for second. We never really got in Ultimate contention because Reed was always a bit too far away from Finau, but another nine uh, nineteen top fives it's, without a win it's, since twenty fifteen sixteen. It's extraordinary. Is that right? It's unbelievable. It's got to be playing on his mind, yeah. So the next got to be. <laughs> it has to be. You all, we all think that Louis Ustazen is a perennial sort of bridesmaid. He's had eight in that time. It's is unbelievable. That right? The numbers are just extraordinary. What a stat. Yeah. 
36. So that was 19 top fives and probably worse, 36 top tens. But, Stace, you can probably ease the pain that in that time he's banked $18 million. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. that's, um, that's an ATM right there, yeah, isn't he's it? Going okay. <laughs> he's going okay. So we lost one crowd over in, um, in Dubai. We lost – because did – Herbert, was Herbert the defending champion this week or last week? This, this week? This, this week, week, this week yeah. Yep. So he held it together uh, or just outside top 20, five under, did plays you, well. Did you know he had three sevens on par fives for the week? I beg your pardon? He had three, including the final hole, the 72nd hole, where he had his heroics last year. <laughs> uh, he had three sevens on par fives. So give him what we normally think you'd do on par fives. Give him three fours. That's nine shot difference. He's right, knock it on the He's door. Second on, he finishes second behind Casey. <laughs> if and, he does that. And I reckon, um, you know, he, he may not look at it that bluntly, but. No, and it's a silly way of looking at it, obviously, but, you know. Which is what I do. But, <laughs> but no, he won't, he won't be thrilled that, you no. know, he'd never thrill with a double bogey, but particularly on par fives for the, for the big boys, mm. that's brutal. Casey wins by. So we had Reed win by five, Casey won by four. Did anyone, I've tried to find out what was. What was in inverted commas wrong with those greens? The greens look shocking. I couldn't find anything anywhere, but it just didn't look great look, at all. They looked like they burnt the grass. The grass had burnt on half of some of the greens. Or only thing I heard, Andy, was that um, straight after this tournament, they're digging them up. Okay, so they basically didn't put any additional love or money into them. So right, okay, no they were worries. going, and they're about to be gone. They looked awful, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, that. That course usually looks like an absolute postcard, mm. doesn't mm. it? Like it really, mm. yeah. in the desert, it always, the stripes are mown yeah. perfectly. Perfect, exactly. Yeah. So it was a bit jarring on the eye to see Just that. like your lawn, uh, Murray. Thank yeah. you. Yep. Yeah, the caravan park. I've yep. planted the Sir Walter Buffalo down there. Oh. Yep. Having done a bit of plumbing work, Hazy, it looks magnificent. <laughs> um, can, I, can I just mention Holy Moly? Yes. A golf, look, Holy Moly, my kids loved it. It's yep. not my go, but I loved how much my kids loved it. And it reminded probably me of watching It's a Knockout back in the old days on on the tally when people were getting knocked off things and slipping off poles and all sorts of stuff and falling into freezing cold water. I remember loving that like an imbecile. And yep. my kids were giggling like lunatics watching Holy Moly last night as people were getting knocked. Did you, either of you watch any of it? What, yeah, did, you, what it, did you think? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I was probably, probably a bit mixed on it as well, but I was kind of – I was interested to hear people's responses, like you say, like mm. your kids. That's the Loved people we want it. Yeah. And um, Cutler was saying the same about his girls. Absolutely loving yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so it's good, right? Like, yeah. I saw, That's I saw you want. post on Twitter about Andy and get Julie smashed by everyone who was criticising your Channel the, 7. Take themselves a bit seriously, <laughs> some people. <laughs> and I, look, I'm not going to lie and say I thought it was the best show ever produced on Australian television, but I did go to um, a couple of places this morning. I had appointments, and the conversation was about – uh, holy moly, which yeah. is very yeah. rare. And they, the people were basically saying, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't think it was great, but my kids, God, they loved <laughs> yeah. it. They're all over it. And I, they can't wait to watch it tomorrow. We're recording this on Tuesday morning. Mm. So we'll have another couple of shows in the, in the can by the time people listen to this probably. Um, yeah. If it gets 20 new kids down to mini golf tomorrow. Yeah, it is right. I agree. And, yeah. it is. and you know, I, I want to point out, look, I'll, I'll be brazen about it, Andy. I want to point this out. If you've got kids who loved it, I don't care what you thought about it, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'd like you to watch it, but I don't it care. It doesn't matter. If no. you've got kids who love it, go to golf.org.au slash course search. Find one near you. Yep. Get them involved. Yep. Get them Absolutely. into it. Absolutely. That's all it's about. That's all what we're doing here is trying to get the next generation in. Well, I'm going to say, I'll say, I'll go one step further. The person who builds that golf course 
that people can go and play, getting hit by windmills, slipping <laughs> off sharks, it you'll go gang, but it'll absolutely go gang because there's going to be forty year old blokes out there who go, I'm not watching that rubbish. Mm-hmm. You can go and play the course. What? Yeah, I'm going to play. Oh, give, where do I sign up? How do? I, how much do I have to pay? Would people you, would fall over themselves to have a crack at playing that golf course. Would yeah. you have gone for the sausage, the prawn, or the corn? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it didn't quite work out what my play would have been on that. But when they would jump, when they were playing Uranus, and they had to jump across the, um, and I'm not saying that just for the cheap gag, but when they, the last planet, whatever the last one was, they had to jump on that with their foot, not try and hold on. That was Mars. Mars yeah. was it? They had yeah, to try Mars. and just step on that and take the big leap. They were struggling on Mars, weren't yeah, they? I worked that out. <laughs> yeah. No oh, so you were land. ready for that, Murray? I, I, that, I, once I'd seen the film, I went, no, no, don't try and jump and hold on to that. <laughs> this is built for you, the show. You're athletic. Yeah. Mate. Yeah. I reckon your kids will be setting up a uh, course, oh, won't they? My kids yeah. loved it. It yeah. was the cackling in our lounge room last night. It was ridiculous. <laughs> that's all, see, that's what you want. Of course. That's awesome. So, course. I just want to point out to the knockers of it, and you know, as I said, I'm not saying it's the best don't show ever. Don't take yourself so serious. Don't watch yeah. it if you're going to hate that's it. Correct. Don't take yourself so Turn seriously. Yeah. I've yeah. got the primetime ratings from around Australia oh, last night. Uh, oh. 983,000 viewers. That's Metro. At knock, I think so. At yeah, well, knock, it was 1.5 million total. national. Yeah. So it knocked off Married at First Sight, thank God, um, which was second at 781. I was disappointed so, there was a little clash there on what I was going to have to <laughs> <laughs> That was well, a joke. Nice. <laughs> right. But 983 is a really good number for a quirky little thing. And I, look, yeah, it'll go down a little bit after the first couple yeah. of shows. Sure. But, but just remember, if your kids are into it, Hook them up. Yep. Get them going. See what they think. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, anything else? Plenty. Go on. Um, You've always got stuff. I have got stuff. I want to mention uh, the New South Wales Amateur, which was completed um, last Friday at Magenta Shores on the central coast of New South Wales in driving, driving rain. It was Horrendous brutal conditions. conditions. And yeah. it was 36 holes. And look, Grace Kim beat Belinda Jai um, seven and six. Belinda, Belinda put up a good show in the second 18, but was just a little bit too far back. She got torched in the first 18. Back to back for Gracie? Back to back. Um, she's uh, just bursting for places to play, basically, Grace. <laughs> so we can't wait to see her at the Australian Amateur next week uh, in Adelaide. Andrew Richards and Jeffrey Guan, who was the stroke play winner earlier in the week, put on a show for the ages, I'm led to believe, Andy. Birdies galore in just shocking conditions. <laughs> uh, and Andrew Richards won four and three. So um, he was... Not expecting to go that deep into the field at the start of the week, but grew in confidence, and obviously by the end of the week, you know he's done really, really well there. Good, great result. Um, so that's a good one. And then, as I said, I I, pro- I won't be here next week, Andy. I've got to help tear it up from afar. I'll be at the Australian Amateur Championship. Good. Yep. Uh, cannot wait um, to get across to Kuyonga in Adelaide. Uh, I encourage everyone to sort of follow along as much as they can. This is going to be an, an epic, basically with two years of. Um, top amateurs because they, we didn't get the bunch turning pro in right. 2020. Of course, yeah. So yep. this is going to be epic. So get around that one. I want to mention, we had him on as a guest uh, last year or the year before, Andy, and, um, Glenn Nikajewski, <laughs> Juicy, yep. the blind golfer. He won the Australian Blind Championships. Now, I want he gave me a call during the week and he pointed out what he's been doing. Uh, he's for, He's forgotten for the time being blind golf. He now wants to play inclusive golf, all abilities golf. So he's got using a different handicap. So his GA handicap's down to around 30. Uh-huh. He's like That's legitimate, awesome. blind, totally blind. Unbelievable. The other day, this is what I want to tell you about. At his course, Meadowbrook Golf Club, which is near Beanley in like the Logan area of yep. Queensland. Meadowbrook offered a day handicap of 24, given the slope ratings. 
He shot 92, 24, 68 net to win the monthly medal at Meadowbrook. Oh, how good. So think, right. of, think of the 80 or 90 or 120 other guys and girls in that clubhouse that that's night. That's awesome. And they all have to just take their hat off to Juicy. Um, I just think that's a phenomenal story. It is. Hats good off to Juicy. <laughs> yeah. That's well a done. hell of a yard. Well done, Juicy. Good. Yeah, well done. Um, the Tasmanian Play 9 final was at the weekend in Launceston, Andy. Glenda Attenborough, uh, Caroline Johnson in the women's section, Jordan Young and Keith Bradford in the men's. They all go through to the national final. Um, we've got some great changes in the Australian Junior Championship um, to allow possibly, hopefully, 78 boys and 78 girls for the first time to take part um, on an equal basis in the tournament. That'll change depending on the level of um, entries, of course. And I want to give... Uh, my personal shout, as and for all of us for that matter, to uh, Martin Blake and his family, who, Blakey lost his father, 96 in stall in the Wimmera last week. I didn't and, know uh, that. Deep sympathies yeah. and condolences to the Blake clan. He was a great man, Blakey's dad. Mm. Um, he spoke highly of him at all times. So our thoughts are with you there, mate. Here, here. Well, let's dedicate the show uh, to the memories of Marty's old man and our thoughts are with the family. Um, that's it. Stace, good to see you. Likewise, team. Good to be back. Hazy, uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll be following your updates via the many and varied forms that we get them these days as the uh, as the amateurs play out. So well, Hopefully I cross to you from the fairways yeah, of Kuyonga. Be good. So. No, I'd be keen to get your sense for um, how they've turned that golf course out because as I've been put to me, it's never been better. So we'll um, get a sense from you when you're on the ground. Uh, that's it. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Another edition of Inside the Ropes, done and dusted. Back next week to do it all again.